This is 128 Bits, a podcast about the most influential period of video games, what is known as the sixth generation, the Dreamcast, PS2, GameCube, Xbox era. And on every episode, we will discuss one standout title from the generation and talk about its greatness, including its critical reception at the time, our favorite and least favorite thing, its legacy, and what it would look like today, and just generally take a stroll down memory lane. On today's episode, I'm joined by Joseph, and we're going to talk about what I consider at least to be one of the most artistically ambitious games of all time, and that is Rez. So how are you, Joseph? I'm doing well. Yeah, do you agree with my assessment of this as being artistically am- ambitious or uh, or not really? <laughs> no, totally. Actually, I um, was actually just thinking as I was reviewing it and um, going through walkthroughs, like this might be the first form of like attempts. I mean, I guess attempts really at high art that I really like remember. <laughs> A <laughs> no. lot of this stuff must have been way over my head as I remember <laughs> like reading some of it now. Yeah, it was it was definitely something, and it was I can like I consider it to be very different from the other games that were coming out at the time, which is exactly why we want to talk about it. Uh, so we'll start with we're a, one of like or two of like ten people who actually played it. <laughs> well, potentially. Uh, so <laughs> let's go into a little bit of background for the game. Uh, Res is technically an on rails shooter with heavy musical elements. Um, but it was, it's so much more than that. But it was released for the Sega Dreamcast and PS2. For our conversation, however, we'll be discussing it as a PS2 title because unfortunately the Dreamcast version was not released in North America. It was only released in Japan and Europe. Uh, and I don't even have a copy of it for the Dreamcast. I tried to get one a while ago before they got crazy expensive. I couldn't find one and I just kind of gave up. Uh, but maybe maybe I'll try and get it uh, again, or I'll retry. It's probably gone up in price. I haven't checked, to be honest. But I didn't realize the significance when we chose, like when we set out some of the games that we wanted to talk about this, for that it was the first Sega game released on PS2. Like, I didn't know that at all. Yeah, I thought it might, like, it fell in the window because it had that simultaneous release, but I also didn't know that it was, like, the first one. So that that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, and it, it made its debut in America on the PS2, as we said, as the first uh, Sega published title on a non-Sega console on January 8th, 2002. So really early in the year, just right after the Christmas season. Um, the game was produced by possibly my favorite video game creator ever, a man by the name of Tetsuya Mizuguchi. And uh, he founded a development studio called United Game Artists under the Sega banner and had a vision to create specifically different games that would draw non-traditional gamers into gaming. And prior to starting UGA, Mizuguchi Mizuguchi worked on uh, the Sega Rally games, um, which is like uh, very different from the rest of his games, but that's how he started in the games industry. And I like this guy so much, I actually have a Google alert set up for his name. (laughs) <laughs> so I get emails whenever there's Mizuguchi news or a new article or anything like that. Mizuguchi, it should be noted, is not a computer science person. Instead, his background is in something called media aesthetics, for which he earned a degree at Nihon University College of Art. Since then, he's been more interested in how games convey feelings as a medium more so than any other aspect of gaming. <laughs> he himself says Rez was originally conceived in the mid-90s after Mizuguchi visited a techno street parade in Zurich, Switzerland, where he witnessed hundreds of thousands of people dancing in the street, moving to the beat of a single DJ. This is the kind of feeling he wanted to create in games. Did you know his name before 
this game? So I knew he had done uh, because their first game was actually Space Channel Five. Yeah. So I knew Space Channel Five, and but this game was really like when I started following him as a person, and it was as oh, and he also made Space Channel Five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, but yeah, this this is his like big uh, coming out party, and it's the one that he got I guess the most creative freedom on. Actual development work for the game began in 1999 after UGA finished Space Channel Five. And um, the game sees the player take the role of a hacker hacking an AI, fighting not just viruses, but the AI's security itself throughout each level. But to be honest, you could barely even tell what's really going on unless you pay close attention until you get to the last level. But even then, yeah. the last level is like this weird evolution slash AI singularity slash motherhood symbolism thing going on. <laughs> it's just, it's really trippy. Um it's like I said before, it's an on-rails shooter in the vein of Panzer Dragoon, except the game also features great techno music and shooting slash destroying enemies, adds synced musical elements to the soundtrack, making the soundtrack more complex. So as you destroy enemies or as you lock and release the maximum amount of, of bullets you have, it'll add stuff to the music that you're currently listening and it just kind of adds to it. The, the player has a bit of control over how complex the music is soundtrack really is. Um, the game also utilized the vibration function of the DualShock heavily to further enhance the immersiveness. Every time you would shoot down enemies, the controller would vibrate in sync with the music you were creating, for example. And at first it kind of felt like um, it's not really adding anything, but as you got more into the game, just kind of zoned in, it really did add to it. Uh, visually, the game is mostly wireframe in the foreground, but the backgrounds of the levels had more complex graphical elements and even some particle effects. The first four levels were basic wireframe tunnels with Winamp visualizations in the background, but the fifth and final level was honestly amazing. It's 20 or so minutes of just a trippy flight through evolution with polygonal space whales and pulsing EDM. I consider it to be downright beautiful. Um, the art direction was inspired by the works of an of a the, the art direction was inspired by the works of a Russian artist from the early 1900s, a man by the name of Vasily Kandinsky, who was heavily inspired by synesthesia, which is the ability to appreciate sounds or colors or words with two senses at once. So in Kandinsky's case, colors triggered sounds and vice versa. So his artwork conveyed that he'd paint the things he heard, literally. <laughs> Mizuguchi wanted the players to achieve that with res or to have that sense of synesthesia in one way or another. The game was ambitious and packed a lot of high concept beliefs about what video games could be beyond just cool graphics and blowing stuff up. And it was developed from the ground up without any middleware in less than two years for two consoles. It must have been a grind, which is why I don't fault it for being short coming in at anywhere between six to eight hours in total to complete the thing. And some people saying they could get through it in two hours, but honestly, I never really could. Uh, still res is much more than the sum of its parts and is a huge point of reference in the games are art discussion, which I think really started in this era. Um, in terms of critical reception, res did okay reviews wise. Uh, so keep in mind that I'm, we're talking about the PS2 version here. It has a meta score of 78 based on 34 critics, which isn't bad. I mean, C's get degrees, right? G4 <laughs> uh, TV, however, gave it a perfect score. Um, and that's the only perfect score I could find. And Entertainment Weekly 
apparently reviewed games and gave it a 91, saying, quote, you'll find yourself wrapped up in a visual and aural orgy sure to cause sensory conniptions. And <laughs> so a little hard. Uh, they're going hard in the paint here, uh, Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> EGM gave it a 78 and said, it's the first shooter I've played that's demanded not just my reflexes, but also my intuition, a trip worth taking, which I, I really enjoy how you said that. And my darling GamePro gave it a 70. Saying because of its length, the game felt more like an experiment than a full game. Uh, game Informer magazine, which is the magazine that GameStop would hawk over and over and try to get you to buy a subscription with every pre-order. <laughs> um, they still a, do. They still. I haven't set foot in a GameStop in forever, so I think they own Game Informer now, don't they? Yeah, I think they bought them, but they like uh, now they try and hawk to you to sign up so you can get like the pro rewards or whatever it is. Ah, okay, so. Yeah, this is the arrow when that started. Uh, Game Informer gave it a 60, <laughs> saying it wasn't as good as Frequency, which is the Guitar Hero precursor, and it's a pure music game. So I think they, they were treating it as just like a rhythm game instead of, of something more than that. Yeah. Um, in PSM's review, the, the the review nails it by saying this this is like the end of the PSM review, the last chapter or the last paragraph, it says, quote, unfortunately, Rez will probably do poor on the sales chart. So get Rez because it is enjoyable and to prove to the industry that gamers will support a company that tries different things and executes them well. Eight out of 10. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, I think even back then, the people who enjoyed it knew that it wasn't everyone's cup of tea or it wasn't going to achieve mainstream success. Uh, so even PSM was saying, if you like this type of stuff, go out and buy it because it won't be around long. Yeah. In, pay attention to our stuff, damn it. <laughs> in terms of awards, Rez received an award from the Agency for Cultural Affairs Media Art Festival in Japan, which is, I guess, pretty prestigious. And at the second Game Developers Choice Award in 2001, the game was one of five titles highlighted in the Game Innovation Spotlights category. And was also one of four games nominated for the 2001 BAFTA Interactive Entertainment Awards in their interactive arts category. But that was pretty much it. It got no game of the years on any of the gaming publications that I could find. Uh, it was just kind of treated as, I guess, the game developers themselves or the people in the industry saw it as being really innovative. But none of the other ga uh, gaming websites did. Uh, Sales-wise, Rez did not sell very well especially on ps2 mm -hmm. in japan overall it sold 37,000 units which is not a lot for a video game in north america it took more than a year for it to sell a hundred thousand and uh personally i do remember it being hard to find and at one point it got really expensive to find a new copy of res or even a used one i got lucky and there was a random re-release online of some like found stock that showed up and i got it online on some weird store i don't even remember what the what the store was called but i remember i paid 25 bucks for it and it sold out in a matter of hours uh, and i want to give a shout out to the penny arcade gaming and technology forums for uh for <laughs> letting me know about that sale because otherwise i wouldn't have gotten it but yeah it did not sell well they didn't make a lot of it and um it it, it just it it was a flop commercially yeah, speaking. Yeah, mine was secondhand like on eBay somehow. <laughs> yeah, it was hard to find. Like if you didn't get it at launch, uh, chances are you weren't going to get it. And I remember uh, GameStop had pre-owned copies for I think like 50 bucks, which is ridiculous for a pre-owned title. <laughs> um, so here's some behind the scenes trivia on Res. 
So one big stipulation for UGA or Res to happen was that Mizuguchi wanted unconventional people working on the game, and he wanted to move out of the boring Sega offices because he claimed a different exceptional game couldn't be developed in a boring office environment. <laughs> uh, so Sega let him use some space in Shibuya, which is like Times Square in Tokyo. And he goes into the whole deal like he really cared a lot about this because he's like, in this office park, there's nothing. There's like a ramen stand and a parking <laughs> gate and it's so depressing and I don't want to work here. So he, he really made it an effort to say, if you want something different, you have to give me a different office. And they did. And he was happy with that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mizuguchi was also horrible at explaining what Rez was supposed to be. Not just to executives, but to his own team. So he goes on into knowing, into saying that like he knows it was hard to communicate what he wanted the game to be. Um, for example, all he would say was that the game would quote give you a good feeling. <laughs> like that's how he would describe it to people. Uh, but he said like I really had a hard time explaining what I wanted this game to be. Um, initially, Res was known as K Project, named after the artist that inspired the whole synesthesia thing, Vasily Kandinsky. And kind of going back to that hard to explain thing, at the 2001 E3 convention, Mizuguji took the stage to show off K-Project, but because he didn't know how to explain it, he didn't say anything. He just played the game live. (laughs) That's it. He just stood up there on the platform, like didn't even wave high or anything. He just turned on the game and played it. And Sega and Sony execs actually ended up loving the presentation because the game spoke better than he could have. Um, and as we hinted to earlier, Res was the first Sega-produced game released on the PS2. So that was significant. It, it's the first time that Sega published something outside of its own consoles. Um, this is a probably the most famous thing, the, the most famous weird thing that Res is known for is that there was a special edition that had a trance vibrator, which was a <laughs> USB vibrator that would sync to the music actions on the screen and whose intention was just to grow the immersion. So not only your hands would vibrate, but also your foot or your butt if you sat on it or whatever. Uh, as far as single game peripherals go, it was a, a strange one. But I guess that was normal in Japan. They had a lot of single single game or single use peripherals that would only pair with one game. Uh, was this the last generation for like weird controllers? Because this is when we got like the iToy and like the DK Bongos. Um, yeah, but... Well, there's a re-release of the of Sama de Amigo, no, that has no. I guess yeah, because after that, the Wii had its own, um, like, it had a motion controller, so it didn't need anything else. And the Switch now does. So yeah, I want maybe this was it because we also had <laughs> we had the bongos, we had the Viva Piñata. I mean, is it Viva Piñata? Samba de Amigo, the maracas yeah. for it. Um, we have this the, is when the Guitar Hero stuff started for the first yeah, time too. Guitar Hero, which is a huge moment in gaming so i want to say this was maybe the the best generation for for single game controllers that were weird but uh, yeah the trans vibrator also went viral after a website called the game girl posted a blog about her and her boyfriend using it while playing in the sense that you would think a trans vibrator would be used by a, a website called game girl advance so i'm just gonna leave it at that um the game's been re-released, remastered twice. So first it was Res HD, uh, which came out on like the generation after. And then there was Res Infinite, which re- was re-released in this generation and on PC. So clearly it's been a bit of a cult classic or it's well-liked. 
um, despite the fact that it didn't sell well at first. Have you played any of the remakes, Joe? No, not. I watched a few of them on the playthroughs just to kind of get the idea for them, especially when I was reading about like Area X yeah. or whatever it's called. Um, so I, want, I did see them, but I haven't played them. Yeah, that's the thing that I, I really want to get Res Infinite. I haven't played it either, but just because of that, because it contains an area that is built on a new engine on, I think, Unreal Engine 4. So it's kind of closer to what Mizuguchi had envisioned, um, but I haven't played it. I had Res HD on the Xbox 360, but I also had Child of Eden, which is like the sequel to it, and I like that one a little more. Um, just because Res to me kind of needs to feel a little grainy or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. It just feels more nostalgic to me than than the other than the HD remakes. Yeah. So let's get into our questions. Uh, first question: What is your favorite thing about this game, Joe? I know that it's not like quantifiable, um, and there really isn't a way to describe it other than the what it is is the feel of the game, which is funny. Like that you talked about it so much that's kind of what they were going through for the development but mm -hmm. it's a way that like the gameplay combined with like the visuals um like none of it is overly complex and so it adds to the replayability of it mm. and those are just the kind of experiences that stick with you more than like i mean there are other video gaming experiences that stick with me that stick with me a lot but in terms of like getting into the game like mm. those are the ones that stick with me more than anything and that's why i always talk about this game whenever i get a chance to yeah, the way, and it sounds, if I feel so, I used to feel more strange using this language talking about video games, but not so much anymore. Um, but I really think that there's like a visual audio language, like a whole aesthetic to this game. And that's my favorite thing about it. It's just, not only does the, like the visuals go hand in hand with the music, go hand in hand with the feel, go hand in hand with the shooting. It's just, it, it feels like a very well thought out game at least in terms of the presentation of it and it makes a lot of sense that Mizuguchi was into like aesthetics as mm -hmm. his as as his uh field of study right his field of expertise because Res is an aesthetically pleasing game like it it, it triggers all the senses right and yeah. that's my favorite thing about it and i think that's the thing that it did more so than any other game of the era because it's just like the story isn't presented in like a big cinematic way, yet you still kind of feel excited about what's happening. Um, the music doesn't really have like a standout song that I <laughs> that I consider, but you know that it had great music, right? The shooting mechanics themselves aren't exactly like groundbreaking, or and the controls are could be described as like a little sloppy, but it works in the game. It kind of feels like yeah, I if I were. Even that Go even adds to the experience the controls i think um like the uh what is it quantization that they have to do on it yeah you don't have to be like directly on it adds yeah. to the replayability i think a, a lot in this game yeah and i think it's it's also really cool that independent of when you fire it will be synced to the music mm, right yeah. like even if you randomly press x while there's nothing going on um, it will be synced to the music. So it doesn't require you to have a sense of rhythm to be able to feel like you're adding to the music in this game. And that's also, it, it goes back into like the whole audiovisual language of the game is so solid and so well-made and so well done. And that's easily my favorite thing about it. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just purposeful. It just, everything had a purpose to me, it mm -hmm. seemed. 
Um, and none of it was like in your face the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Like it's just very tastefully done. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you, if you remember this, but on the left hand side of the screen, there was like a scrolling log of everything that happened. Like every, mm-hmm. everything you destroyed, everything you locked onto, it gave you the names of the enemies. It told you the percentage of the, of the level that you were complete with and stuff like that. And it's just like, yeah. the first time I played it, I paid no attention to that. And then later on, I was just like, oh, I'm a hacker. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, I just, I, I think just the visual audio language of the game is exceptional. Um, second question, what is the standout moment in this game? And for me, I'm going to take this one first. For me, it was level five. Just the last stage in the game is longer than all the other stages complete. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just a story uh, highlighting like evolution and singular, or it's like, the AI is achieving singularity or it's giving birth to you. I don't, I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> it's just trippy. But in level five is when I achieved this like Zen state or like a flow state. Um, and there's other, there's shoot 'em ups that talk about this state, specifically Ikaruga, which is another standout title from the generation that really focus on like, there's this bullet hell going on around you. But supposedly if you focus really well in the game, they made it so that you can have like a rhythm around it and avoid everything. And it really, you fit into this groove where you're just kind of flowing with the game. And I hadn't experienced that in any other games and until until this one, until level five. And it was kind of like what EGM said, where you could kind of intuit the actions of the enemies. And I don't want to say I experienced synesthesia, but I could definitely hear certain projectiles. And that sounds weird because I know, like looking back at, at the videos, that those things don't have sound, but I swear I could hear them at a certain <laughs> point. Um, and it's weird to explain, but the first time that I beat the game, and I don't know if it's, because, if it's because I didn't blink for so long or because I don't know what happened, but I got a headache after the first time I beat the <sighs> game. And that's something that I'll always remember because I was so much into it. My hands were like, like glued to the controller you know what i mean and i was just like staring into the tv and just really zoned in really really in the moment of that game and when i finished it and the the credits start rolling and like i looked up like my head hurt and uh but that whole last level was just amazing for me that's funny um i actually have a similar standout moment mine was just really the first time i got through my first section in the game because mm. it took me a while i think the tracks are probably only like four or five minutes but like yeah as long like if you're going through and having to actually play it especially if you haven't played it in a while or the friend for me it was this was the first time i was ever playing it mm. um so it took me a few tries must have taken me at least like 10 minutes or so to get to the first level maybe um, but I remember just sitting there afterwards, like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> like, when your little guy's running through, like, the stats and everything, I think it's silent in that time, like, right after the level, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think, like, I was sitting there when in that little pillar uh, mm. that you see at the end of it, right before your guy jumps in. Yeah. And I was just like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> I know that I'm... We had talked about it before I ever played this game. I think it was you and Jacob are the only reason that I ever heard, ever even heard of this game. Hmm. And like, we had talked about kind of what it was, but then once I finally got through that one section, it was like, yeah, it was just like, what did I just experience? And this wasn't even like level five. It gets way more complex. I was just like, it was like playing a visualizer, which is yeah. something I had been doing. Cause at this point, which like raves were starting to come up and stuff in my <laughs> life. And I was listening to a lot of techno. So like, yeah. It was just a cool experience. 
It was the Dirty Vegas era, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was. I listened to that song so much, unfortunately. No, you, you know, there's another little thing that I remember because your character would um, evolve as you gained like power-ups. So, um, and whenever you would get hit, you would kind of go back to the previous stage of your evolution, right? And I remember like there was like the little ball and then your the the square guy like like a layered squares right and then you're like the basic wireframe guy yeah. and then at the end you're like another ball but it's just like a little planet it's just it was just th those were really cool little things um just th the way that the game showed your health in terms of like mm -hmm. you're evolving that that was another nice little aspect of it but um yeah it was just i think over any other game of this generation i think this game was an experience for me and it's one that i that i really treasured and it's one that i like i, I look back at it fondly and uh because it was my first time that i was just like oh maybe i should do video games for real <laughs> it's just like every single video game idea that i had after this always had an element of res to it um and it, it was just yeah, every that last level especially, it was just like, I wish I could feel what I felt the first time I played that level again. You know what I mean? Just yeah. that, that first time that you experienced that was just, it's one of my favorite gaming moments I've ever had. Um, third question, what is the worst part of this game? What do you think, Joe? I couldn't really find one looking through the playthroughs because I don't own it anymore on mm. any con or I don't own any consoles that'll play it anymore. Mm. I want to say I think it might have been the difficulty of it, yeah. but with the way that the controls were like quantized, that you didn't have to be on the notes. I think yeah. I just remember having like, like I had a flashback of uh, in the set when I was uh, watching the playthrough of the second level. Those guys that like come in and then make a little wall that you have to shoot all, all <laughs> yeah. of them or you crash into them yeah. like i remember like when i saw those guys i was like oh no i hated these guys yeah so i think it was pretty difficult wasn't it like yeah. if, at least if you turned up the difficulty it was pretty hard yeah it definitely was and the controls didn't help at all the, th like, yeah. the thing is you're on rails so you can't control the camera which it's kind of like so then it's really just like a 2d field that you have control over shooting at and there are parts where the camera would turn angles and the screen would get really busy and it was hard. Uh, what I discovered years later, not at the time that I played it, because for me, it was also really, really difficult. Um, well, maybe not really, really, but really difficult. Uh, <laughs> the thing that I discovered is that not all of the projectiles that are shot at you will actually hit you, even if you don't hit them. Huh. So I don't know how people discovered this, but I was watching like videos later of people and like when those walls would show up and there was other characters around that were shooting at you, they would just ignore the projectiles and shoot at the wall. Like as soon as the thing came up and I was just uh -huh. like, why didn't I do that? <laughs> but I, I don't know how they discovered that, but apparently not every projectile would actually hit you. So you could ignore certain things, especially like in the last boss sequence, uh -huh. um, which is like an extra long boss sequence. And it's spinning around and shooting stuff at you. Only like two of those of like the eight or so that they shoot will actually hit you if you don't shoot them down. Huh. So it, it's kind of it was difficult and there was a lot of stuff on the screen at once and the controls didn't help specifically because you didn't have control of the camera i think yeah so it's just like okay i see everything in my field of vision and immediately you think i have to shoot everything 
Um, but maybe if we would have had con access or control of the camera, we would have seen that not everything was going to hit us uh, or, or something like that. Because I don't know how those other players discovered that. They just went through it, watching it and seeing what would hit them and what wouldn't. Probably. Or maybe they were uh, synesthetic and they could hear there when something go. was going to hit them. Or something. <laughs> the, they couldn't hear it if it wasn't going to hit them. Yeah, the PS the PSM <laughs> review, I remember, like I said, it, they said they beat it in two hours. And I was just like, I never got close to beating it in two hours. It took me, it took yeah. me a while to beat it. Especially that level five. Level five... I had to restart it a couple of times because it was really long and I got to the boss and I would lose and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was, I don't think the controls made it any easier, even though they were forgiving in the sense that like you didn't have to be locked on and they had a lock mechanism, but they were not easy. I, I would say it's fair to say that they weren't easy. Yeah. Uh, the fourth question, how did the game age and what parts of it aged the best and the worst? Um, I think it aged really well. Like I would mm -hmm. say it aged about as well as any game from this era has. Um, the only thing that that I don't think aged well, because I don't think they exist anymore, is on-rails, the on-rails aspect of it. I don't think we have on-rails shooters anymore. I could be wrong. But I think this game would have benefited way more from a dynamic camera or a camera that you can control, which is also why I'm curious to play the area x on res infinite because i think you can control the camera on that one and okay. maybe the level isn't as difficult because of that or maybe it's just to allow you to make the level bigger with the new engine but i think that that's what aged the worst um what what uh just the aspect of being on rails i can't think of an on of a modern on rails shooter can you no, because yeah, this was like the last generation I remember them. Yeah, at like all. I, I, there was a Panzer Dragoon after this one, but, but that's it. I, I don't remember anything else being on rails, or other than other arcade games. I can't think of anything. Yep. Um, in terms of what aged the best, I, actually, I think, uh, the graphics aged well. Because they encapsulate the era really well, I think it's just the, the really good wireframe, the 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 grainy particle effects in the background. They're so weird, but so perfect, and they really capture the era. If you look at like the new footage, it looks a little too clean for me. I don't know. To me, it, it, this is kind of like um, when you look back at Tron, the yeah. movie from the '80s. It looks weird but it's just like oh yeah this is what computers looked like in the 80s when i look at res i'm like yeah this is what computers look like when broadband was first starting off right <laughs> this, this is what computers look like when like windows vista was gonna change the world or something like that uh, when people were looking forward to windows vista um and still on xp so i feel like the graphics aged well for like for the ps2 and dreamcast specifically because they capture that um, that that divide between the foreground and background, which is like the background is really ambitious and the systems are struggling and the foreground is what we do really well, which is like wireframes and stuff like that. So I think that combination aged really well and really captured the graphics and the way technology was seen in the era, at least in my eyes. Yeah, it's funny because that's like the one thing that we try to exclude from this question because that's <laughs> usually what's like 
what does age the poorest just because the way <laughs> technology works but no i think like you're right on with there that was what i was gonna say too is just i mean i'm like the biggest tron fan i know so anything that captures <laughs> that look like and if you go for that look and i think that's what it was is like kind of like in the pixar sense where they don't try to be or like i just I guess just animation mo- animated movies in general they don't try to have like these hyper realistic human human characters yeah they, they're like quite there but not quite so much so it actually yeah makes it able to allow like you can appreciate it for a lot longer i think or appreciate it in in its time frame without having to contextualize it yeah um i also really like the way that they like i keep coming back to this but the way that they lack the controls and you don't have to be on beat to do it because mm. i i did play frequency um before the when it was harmonics and i really liked that game but like when i played that game it was much more cerebral like i was not experiencing it the way that like you do with this game like it's more this game was way more feel than those those first like rhythm and music games and even like guitar hero most people have played guitar hero or rock band (laughs) and they know like you're trying to hit notes there this one wasn't anything like that so and it was because of the way that they made those controls like that i think that was another aspect that really aged pretty well yeah because it allowed you to experience music um not and also create it, but not directly, right? It, mm-hmm. it, it, another thing that he was big into it, like I said earlier, was like you didn't need to have a sense of rhythm. You didn't need to play any instrument to be able to 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 master this game, which is a big thing that they focused on. And that's why I kind of don't get when people would describe it as a purely rhythm game because it wasn't like it, amplitude no. and frequency were. This just kind of allowed you to kind of feel like what to kind of feel what it feels like to make music in an indirect way. Um, yeah. Which is super, super cool. I, I, I don't, I'm, I feel like I'm just gushing a lot over this game, but I really, I really <laughs> no, enjoyed I it. You. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. And I really think everything about it is really cool. As, but but I'll, that aspect specifically, I don't, has any other game done that? <laughs> Not like not for me. Not in a way that this one really did. Well, you know, the one that I can think of right away is also made by the same guy, and it's a game that I also had an unhealthy obsession with, and would tell everyone to play it. Um, it was Tetris Effect, <laughs> which uh, is not only a great. That one. It, it's not only a great Tetris game, but the thing is, when you clear lines or when you even rotate your tetraminos, they add to the music. And as you clear more and more lines and as you get closer to the end of the level, uh, the music gets more complex, the visuals get more complex. It's a beautiful game that also aids in that. And each level has a different visual theme and different song and everything. So that's the only one, but it's from the same guy. So (laughs) (laughs) when did that one come out? What generation was that one? It's it's this generation. I think it came out in 2018. Uh, Okay. It's also got a big vr element yeah it was it was actually my 2018 game of the year it was uh <laughs> it was released on november 9th for the uh, ps4 and it was released on it's gonna be on the xbox series x i think oh cool this year yeah it's gonna be on the xbox one and xbox series x this holiday and uh it was on the ps4 in november of 2018 so yeah, if you haven't played that game, play it because it's it's really good. And it's like a digital release only. And even I have the old PS4, which has like only 500 gigs of space. Mm. And I have to delete stuff whenever I want to install a new <laughs> modern game. But that one's never getting deleted because I always just put it on. 
I'll have to take it out. Yeah, the fifth question, what is the legacy of this game? What do you think, Joe? Um, I really think it's the experience. Like, that's what we keep on coming back to, which is funny because, like, there's not really a thing that you can, like I said in the first question, like, quantify it down to. Yeah. It's just all the stuff that we've talked about, like, the way it adds into this game. And, yeah, again, you don't have to, like, know music. You don't have to know games. Like, it's just an experience that almost anybody can pick up. And even if you're not good at it right away, because like we said, it was difficulty. It was difficult. You could mm. move the difficulty down and like just play through this awesome storyline, like this this huge artistic concept yeah. that was just kind of a throwaway game that most people... That's the thing is, I don't know what the legacy really is like in terms of on... Uh, on the video game industry, I think more its legacy is on the people who played it. Like you were saying, like <laughs> there was kind of stuff that you thought of before and then every, like the effect that it had on you afterwards. Like, I think that's really more what the legacy of this game is. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I, I don't know anyone who has played this game and feels indifferent about it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just <laughs> yeah, like it definitely yeah. had an effect on someone. Like this isn't like uh I don't know, Sphinx, the old uh, platformer gamer, uh, <laughs> Ty the Tasmanian Tiger, right? It's just, it, it, it forced you to have to have an opinion about it, which to me, I think that's one of its lasting legacies in terms of it's one of the first video games or art games that, that people could really hold up as an example of that uh, debate. And uh, one of the big uh, opponents to video games as art is my boy, uh, Roger Ebert, who I think is a great film critic, but he really, really hated video games. And he even, like, uh, I looked up one of his, like, his most famous quote about it and about video games as art. And he said the following, he says, quote, one obvious difference between art and games is that you can win a game. It has rules, points, objectives, and an outcome. Um, you can You could cite an immersive game without points or rules, but I would say then it ceases to be a game and becomes a representation of a story, novel, a play, dance, a film. Those are the things you cannot win. You can only experience them, end quote. So that's his thing. His thing is if you can win, it's not, it's no longer art. But I would say that even if you don't beat this game, Res is still an experience, right? Even yeah. even if you lose, even if you like, it took me forever. It took me more than two hours, and and Res goes beyond the winning, because I don't think anyone really cares what happens at the end. It's not like it's a big payoff, right? It's just it's just an experience to go through all of these things, to see the music build, to to have the environment grow more complex, to interact with these huge bosses that bend the environment in a weird way, and fill the screen with all of these things that pulse to the music and things like that. So I would disagree with Mr. Ebert in that you can't win in an experience. You can't win and be considered an experience. And I think Rez showed us that. Um, but even when you didn't win, it didn't cease to be an experience. Yeah. And uh, maybe more on the nose, uh, the legacy of this game is... Uh, Q Entertainment or Enhance, which is uh, Mizuguchi's follow-up companies. Uh, yeah. Because if it wasn't for Rez, none of the subsequent games would exist, right? I, I mean, he yeah. made Space Channel 5 before, and even though it's really fun, and Michael Jackson makes a cameo, like actually Michael Jackson makes a cameo <laughs> in it, uh, nobody wants the Space Channel 5 guy 
next game, right? And everyone wants the Res guy's next game. Um, and pretty much all of his games afterwards have been my like some of my favorites, right? There was Luminous for the PSP. Oh, that's so good. Which is really, really good. Uh, there was Medios, which was like uh, on the DS. I don't know if you remember that one. It was also a puzzle game. And then you would launch them into space. <laughs> which would go up into the second screen of the DS and then other That's blocks cool. could fall on top of it or they could just get away. Um, on the PSP, he also released Gunpei, which is based on like an old, old Japanese, I think, Color Swan game, which was also heavily based on music. Um, Every Extend Extra, which was an awesome game. That's a also, good game. Also released on the Xbox 360. Um, and Child of Eden, um, which was Res 2, pretty much. It was released on the Xbox 360, and it used a Kinect controller in a unique way. I didn't play it with the Kinect. I played it with the, with, with like the actual controller, and it was really good. But um, yeah, if, just, if Res doesn't happen, none of these games happen, and all of these games have that concept of allowing you to kind of zone out and experience a game more so on feel than on actual skill. Um, specifically, the last one he did, which is Tetris Effect. Again, I already spoke about it earlier, but Tetris Effect is one of the best games you could play <laughs> now. <laughs> I'd put it up against uh, any PS4 game easily. And uh, I haven't played it on VR, but I've heard in VR it's it's really good. So, yeah, I think really if not for Rez, yeah, if not for Rez, Mizuguchi doesn't exist um, as an artist or we don't care about his work. And because he's my potentially my favorite video game creator, I'm really happy Rez exists, and I'm really happy he's around making stuff. Yeah, see, I never really hear him like referred to him by name. I think you're the only person who really does. <laughs> um, and like, yeah, mo a lot of those games I didn't even realize were him. But yeah, like looking back on them, yeah, obviously they are. There, there isn't anybody else that could have made those games. Yeah, and you know that's pretty cool because he wanted to make a, a Tetris game like right after he made Rez. Um, but he couldn't because he couldn't get the licensing agreement for it. So he's like, okay, I guess I'll just make my own puzzle game. And he made Luminous and it's yeah. really good. It's great. Yeah, I love it's, that game. It's also on Switch and it also vibrates really well on Switch. Like there are times when the music gets really crazy that your hands are like, whoa, this feels weird. But um, yeah, so he's very clearly still into into vibration in your hands and stuff. Yeah, um, feeling the music. Yeah, I think that pursuit is still ongoing. I don't know if you saw for Res Infinite, you could buy a full body vibration suit. Yeah, which when I saw that, and like we had always t talked about that vibrator controller that they had too. I was <laughs> like, oh man, this guy just like will not drop that. <laughs> yeah, he really wants people to like feel the game. And uh, if I was loaded, I would I would get it and uh, just to see how it feels. But to experience yeah. it the way he wants you to experience it. Yeah, absolutely. I think this game is <laughs> is an experience above all. That's its lasting legacy, and it's I just really like it. <laughs> Sixth question: Is this the peak for any of the studios or generations, or any? And is, does this represent the peak of anyone involved in this game? What do you think, Joe? Um, I mean, not being an avid Sega Rally fan or Space <laughs> Channel 5, I can say at least like UGA, it was definitely the peak for them. Um, and, but I know he went on to go do a bunch of other stuff. And so there is some more stuff I need to actually catch up on now to really compare it to that stuff. Hmm. I'd say for like artistic games, this was probably the peak of this generation, but that's really a 
about it, those two things, is the studio, the original studio, and then just, like, artsy games as opposed to all the, like, advanced graphics we were trying to get pushed in this generation. Yeah, I think this, for me, is, like, the peak uh, Sega go-be-weird phase of, of Sega, <laughs> yeah. right? And do unique, do unproven things, try to get people that don't play video games because our con our console is floundering and we need to attract other people. Unfortunately, they ran out of money by the time this game came out. Um, but I, I think that's the peak of them because it doesn't happen anywhere. And it was a first party. It was a first party. It was a big developer. It was a big studio supporting this game and funding it and letting the guy have his own office and letting him hire people that weren't from a video game background and all of these things just to try and make something new that would appeal to an, a non-traditional audience. And again, I don't think first parties, like I don't think Sony, Nintendo, or Microsoft do that now um, the way Sega did. And maybe it wasn't successful or maybe my debate is it was too late. Like Sega should have done this mm -hmm. from from the gate, like from 1999, they should have started doing this. Yeah. Uh, and, or 1998, whenever they were planning it. Um, but They could have beat Nintendo to the punch of the weird stuff. Yeah, for sure. Now, now the closest we have is Nintendo because they have a weird console in the Switch, right? And yeah. it's really... Which, and it was a weird console with the Wii, like, yeah. they're just kind of the oddball makers yeah. right now, while you have the other two in, like, their arms race of, like, technology-wise. Yeah, that that whole blue ocean strategy of uh, actually inspired by Pepsi, believe it, <laughs> uh, <laughs> where Pepsi was getting beat out by Coke, right? Pepsi's like, we're never going to catch Coke. People say Coke, they never say Pepsi, all these other things. So instead, we're going to bottle water or we're going to bottle Gatorade and uh, take them at their best. Like Nintendo now is just like, well, we're never going to catch up to Sony and Microsoft with graphics. So let's just really focus on a motion controller, right? Or <laughs> that's what they did first. Yeah. And, uh, but still like the, the, the software angle of it, I don't think anyone has done it since from a first party view, at least I can't think of any, of any first party PS4 game or any first party Microsoft game, or even any first party Nintendo game that really is based on the concept like synesthesia, right. Or based, yeah. or based on a concept like, uh, just, just go hire non-video game people and make a work of art or something that can be considered art more so than anything else. Yeah, which, as we've talked about, is probably going to become even rarer and rarer as, as like this uh, industry just gets more and more valuable. Yeah, it's more valuable. It's more high stakes. There's more to be made by appealing to larger masses. But also, I kind of hope that there is a space for the niche because now, um, I don't know, res could only happen now as a as a indie, indie title and probably yeah. wouldn't have been as good, but. Yeah, I think this was the peak of Sega saying "Go be weird, and we'll give you we'll give you money to be weird." Um, it didn't work, but that's it. It's just I mean, it did. It just didn't work to <laughs> save them financially. It was a great yeah. experience, and most people love this game. Yeah, but I would say that Sega's like, well, it only sold thirty-seven thousand copies. But yeah. it's just like, uh, <laughs> it, well, did, it's it didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> they would yeah. not think it worked. But yeah. It did work as a project and a concept. Yeah, and it's it's been re-released a bunch, so clearly it's it has longevity. Um, yeah. But it's just it's this it's the peak of high concept video games that first parties do not do anymore. Uh, that's what I consider. Yeah, totally. Um, and the seventh and last question: How would this game work or look like in twenty twenty? 
Uh, I think it's cool that we do get to see that. Like the <laughs> VR thing is the last improvement when I, and maybe it's just because I don't have a, a big enough imagination. But when I found out that this is going into VR, I was like, perfect. Like <laughs> there's nothing much more you can do with that game other than plugging someone into like an actual music um, visualizer like that. Like yeah. that's that. Even the VR, like, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it, it looks like Res Infinite Area X, right? That's the easy answer because they remade it. They made a Res in Unreal Engine 4 with amazing particle effects with a free camera with 4K capabilities or VR yeah. capabilities. So, <laughs> with, the, um, with the giant vibrator suit. Yeah, the, <laughs> the giant vibrating suit. Um, so, yeah, I don't know what a new res would look like. Ideally, a future res would be like uh, we would achieve the VR level of like, remember that old anime series, Dot Hack? Yeah. So that's what I want. <laughs> like, I want to be in the tunnel um, <laughs> and feel the wind gush by me. Or I don't know if there would be wind in a cybernetic tunnel, but I just want to feel the movement and stuff like that. But in terms of like, I guess what res would represent or what res represents is the the next step in that uh, video games as art, I don't know, the video games as art debate or pursuit or whatever um, is, I don't know, video games have to unlock some other means of immersion, right? For this one, yeah. it was that that visual Zen flow achievement state or something like that. And um, I think for for the the next step has to be something like that. Like the the twenty twenty res would look like some other means of zoning out, <laughs> other than like <laughs> pulsing EDM with the vibration in your hands and shooting. Um, I don't know what that looks like because I think the closest thing that I've achieved in this that that I've encountered in this generation like that is Tetris Effect. Believe it or not. <laughs> And it's called Tetris Effect because people have been achieving that with Tetris forever, but they just paired it with music and trippy graphics. And curiously enough, the first level in Tetris Effect is also a um, it's a song that's talk about how we're all connected and all these other things, right? And when I looked up the song artist, she wrote the song after she gave birth to her first child. <laughs> so it's just like, this dude is still kind of infatuated with birth as a concept to be explored in video games or something like that <laughs> through music and uh, trippy graphics. Um, but I don't know what the next stage of immersion would look like because I think that's a central concept behind Res. It's kind of like immerse yourself in this audiovisual experience and take a part in this world in a way that no other games can. So and, actually yeah. what it may be is taking advantage of like the 3D audio stuff that Sony's doing mm. on the next go around. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, maybe it is more full experience with like the audio as opposed to more like the visual, like the VR stuff. It's more yeah. immersion that you're talking about. Yeah, because I, I do believe that's the central thesis of, of this game is just kind of like, immerse yourself in it completely. And maybe 3D audio does help with that. And that's the one thing that Sony is focusing on more so than any than any other uh, development studio and um, or any other console manufacturer, at least. That could be interesting. I've yeah. always been obsessed with um, a game allowing us to smell, <laughs> smell it. <laughs> but I'm focusing on the wrong sense, I guess, because yeah, music, <laughs> mu uh, like audio-wise, hasn't been fully explored yet. 
Um, the closest we get is like surround sound, but that's not 3D sound, right? That's not that's not as interesting as the things that could be achieved with 3D sound. Yeah, like you're not in that soundscape. You're just here. You're just like you can. It just gets broadcast, and you're sitting in the same place the whole time. But you can't like move around and get closer and further away from objects. <laughs> yeah, but honestly, don't you think it would be cool if we could smell a game? Like I, <laughs> <laughs> I think. Th- no <laughs> i think it's like movies like it's yeah maybe but not until you smell like the burning flesh of like a war zone that you're oh, like yeah. uh, maybe i don't want to <laughs> be here true true but I, I i just think of like the great seascapes or places like that and i'm like i want to smell this like i want to not only hear the waves crashing but i want to smell the ocean and maybe that's just because i grew up in the desert and i'm nowhere near that <laughs> well uh, maybe it'll be like uh only on only available on some games like mist yes put the smell the smell <laughs> in there but not uh, halo or something yeah or like uh what was that dead space the one where you're in space <laughs> yeah. and the, i don't want i don't want to smell that no no um, no but yeah, hopefully there's some new immersive res-like experience, and hopefully it's Mizuguchi that gives us that. Um, you can rest assured that my Google alert is at the ready, <laughs> and I'll hear <laughs> if he has anything new. Uh, any closing thoughts on res, Joe? No, I just got to go play that Tetris game now. Yeah, Tetris Effect on PS4 is out there. It's really good. And uh, yeah, maybe Res Infinite. If you guys have never experienced res at all, um, just, yeah, it's it's available on PC. It's available on, I think, PS4 as well and Xbox One. So just download it, turn off the lights, put on some headphones, and maybe you too will get a headache like I did after Level 5. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed talking about this one. It's one of my favorite games ever. Hope you did too, Joe, and I hope the, the audience liked listening to us talk about it. Yeah. But all right, well, we'll talk to you next time. Cool. This is the Irrelevant Podcast Network. Thanks for listening.